Welcome to The Conquering Truth. I'm Dan Horn. I'm Jonathan Seitz. I'm Charles Churchill. And tonight again, we have a, a guest from Nigeria. And one of the things that in America, we have our political races and the, the battles for who's going to be president and whether the Democrats are going to control the Senate and the House and all these things. It's very easy for us to, to be very self-centered or very just looking at our own country and saying how much do these elections matter but one thing that i've noticed is i've gone over to nigeria during american election season a couple times and people in nigeria talk about it more than the people in america do they see it as having a bigger impact on them than i think most americans do of to who the president is and so we just wanted to talk about that tonight so start us off zingak why why is that so Generally, the, there's a way all of the world powers come in in one point or the other. Even during the Civil War, there were times when um, the France or Italy or somewhere, you know, either with the Igbos or with Nigerian government and all of that. And, you know, America will always play a very great role in trying to see what it can make relevance in the country. So with that, all over the period, what America said is important. Even the militaries, when America said this coup is wrong and is bad and they start criticizing it and putting pressure, you will see them trying to move back to the civilian rule. Most of, um, like uh, in 1979, when we went back to civil rule, it was because of a lot of pressure from, from America. So, even some of the coup from one military to the other, you will find the quiet, silent, <laughs> you know, um, activities of America to outstate one power and the other. So, so, so why do they look towards America? Is it because of idolizing America? Is it because they think America has better ideas? Or is it fear of America and what decisions will be made? Does that make sense? Yeah, very well. You, you know... Um, or a mixture of all three. <laughs> or maybe other ones. <laughs> Mostly, you know, the, the, the world powers have a way of... Okay, you will know that economically we have debts here and there. You know, we have aids that comes from all these world powers, especially America. So America is very relevant, not just because they, um, they just adore them but because also there are lots of help that the government receives from america so when america wants to say okay do this and this we will do this for you and all of that it becomes more um helpful to the government so they will always dance or sometimes you know some of the restrictions and all of that they'll put on countries and all of that that will affect it you know grossly or help it so some of these are the reasons now apart from other you know international economic policies and and politics that goes on um the american government is perceived in nigeria as a very strong uh government that in its support you will thrive if it's against you they will bring you down in fact some nigerians believe that if America wants to decide who rules Nigeria, it stands. And actually, it's always coming out true because when Obama was in power, you know, good luck Jonathan sought for his support. 
Good luck, yeah. Jonathan was president until what, 2016? Yeah, yeah, till 2016. And so he was from the quote unquote to, Christian. To 2015, sorry. Okay, 2015. Yes. He from the so Nigeria is about roughly 50% Muslim, and what I would say is 50% non-Muslim. What Nigerians would say is 50% Christian. Yeah. And so good luck, Jonathan was from the 50% Christian side, and he yeah. was the president and had been for. That was his eighth year? Is that right? Sixth year. Sixth year. Yeah. And then Buhari was from the Fulani, from the Muslim side. Exactly. He had been a jihadist before, and then he yeah. got elected in 2015 and took power. Exactly. So just to give people names to understand exactly. who the names are. That's very correct. And, you know, before Buhari came in, he had sought to be elected. He was a president in 19, I think, 83 to 85, thereabout. He was the one that um, outstayed the the civil rule. He he plotted the coup against the civilian government, took over the power, and ideally such people shouldn't even be coming to look for power. Of uh, I mean the civil power since he you since know, he overthrew it once <laughs> he approached overthrew civil power democracy that was on ground, overthrew it, turned the country into a terrible turmoil. Our parents really grown then. There were histories of how life became very terrible for Nigerians. Then school was free. They were feeding students in school. When you graduate, there are work for you to do. And there was this entrepreneurship. So many things were just blossoming for the country. And immediately he came, everything changed. That was where we started paying school fees, started paying. And things just turned back. We had that history so clear. So, because of that, he wanted power. He wanted to come. He had been trying right from when um, uh, um, Yaradua, this president Yaradua, that was in power, in power. In fact, even from Obasanjo's time, he wanted to come in. People were looking at his history. And then he had been the, the present, you know, Fulani militia that is killing without restraint is called the Mieti um, Allah. You know, uh, there was a time I had opportunity to be in um, in uh, um, Netherlands. You know, and I was talking about this Mieti Allah, and I was talking about the fact that the Mieti Allah is a very terrible terrorist group that is growing. Nobody believed it then. It looks like they are it's actually a group that was created to protect the cows of the Fulani. Right. But because of protection, they were armed. And because of the way they were armed, they were doing terrible things. And no one is saying them in the news. So then they were quiet, but they were actually killing Christians. Villages, I mean, clearing it, mm -hmm. you know, and doing all of those terrible things. So um, the Mieti Allah group is the one that, you know, become the bandits that they're talking mm -hmm. about, headsmen, killers, all of it is the Mieti Allah. And Buhari is their grand patron to the point he became president. He's, I suspect he's continued to be their <laughs> grand know. patron after he was president. Exactly. He was even grand patron before he became. He also have made a lot of incitive statements that divides more on the boundary of religion. For example, he made statements like, 
They don't need the Christians to be president in Nigeria. Statements like if good luck Jonathan continues, blood will flow. You know, he said the baboons and the monkeys will shed their blood. And he had made all of the statements. And then there were statements he made in Hausa, which I listened to, where he has like almost a million crowd telling them how they are going to enslave the Christians, how they are going to follow them house to house and kill them except they become Muslims. So all of this were part of the reasons why Christians and other non-Muslims were afraid of him coming in. But because he had the support of America, because Obama was in power, good luck went to seek for America's support. And, you know, the issue of the gay thing that we're talking about, good luck refused to accept that. So... Um so the gay thing. Yeah. So you explained that to me before, but yeah. can you explain it that basically, or let me try to summarize it and you tell me if I've got it right from yes. what you've told me before is yeah. that basically when Buhari was trying to run for president, even yes. though this is a Muslim extremist yes. and a jihadist, yeah. he basically told the U.S. government with President Obama in charge yes. that he would support homosexual rights. Definitely. When he became president exactly. as a conservative fundamentalist Muslim exactly. so that he would get the U.S. government support so that he could win the election because the U.S. government basically threw their weight behind his. That's correct. Good luck, that Jonathan be, couldn't get the support. Because, because he refused, refused to, to say that homosexual in, in I mean, you go to Nigeria and there is no support for the homosexual agenda. It Completely. doesn't matter if the president does it. I mean, exactly. the U.S., when the Supreme Court decided that homosexual marriage was acceptable, the U.S. people were already 40 percent and maybe got a 20 percent bump. In Nigeria, it would be 1 percent to maybe 3 percent is all that you would get. So you don't have enough traction there to be able to actually That's shift fine. the view of the people like the, in the but U.S. But it was important enough to the United States to put their weight behind someone who was going – who was a known murderer right. and killer and mm -hmm. rejected democracy. Exactly. And you shouldn't pretend, we shouldn't pretend for a second that the United States didn't know this. I mean, this, this wasn't, this very was, this was, these the, were all very public things. Exactly. They, they weren't even, they weren't even things that you could see as an error of intelligence. Oh, we didn't understand. It, these were, these were pretty And they had to understand that he wouldn't even. Right. It wasn't going to work. They also right. had they to understand, understand that. Yeah. But they maybe understood that if they did it, they'd start traction so in 10, 15, 20 years. But they couldn't believe that the country would actually change that quickly. But it was important yeah. enough. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what kind of kills you in a way. Yes. American support. I mean, that's right. literally what I would say because there are lots of things that shouldn't have made Buhari to be president in Nigeria. So somehow, close to um, Obama's Obama's exit, then uh, John Kerry, right, the Secretary, right, of, State the Secretary came of State, and went straight to the Caliphate. That visit was perceived as, in fact, and you see some of statements like Nigeria is a Caliphate. Nigeria is under the Islamic Caliphate, and that didn't go well for most Nigerians. He didn't go to any institution that has to do with Christianity, but he identified with the Muslims. 
I mean, being really specific, what you're saying is, is John Kerry, as Secretary of State, took a meeting with the caliphate, which which told everyone that the United States considers the caliphate to be worthy of right. That's who the Secretary of State would be with. I mean, that's exactly. And went all the way to Sokoto, not only meeting him in Abuja, but went all the way to the caliphate headquarters. So, and I mean, just. Give more details. Like President Biden recently met with Putin, President Putin of right. of Russia. In in that meeting, there's hours of discussion whether they should have a meal together or not, where they should meet, all these things because all these things symbolize power so much. Right. Exactly. And so for John Kerry to come over there, it's not covered in I didn't even know that he went there. Right. <laughs> I mean you don't hear anything mm-hmm. in the United States, but they are sending really clear signals of power over there by who they meet with, how they meet with them, whether he travels to them or they force them to travel to him. I mean these things in diplomatic Circles are very important to testify to the people, this is who matters, this is who doesn't matter. That's correct. So, that is why when you came to Nigeria, (laughs) (laughs) you, especially when the U.S. election is coming, there's even more, more tension, emotions, and support more than even when the Nigerian election is going on. So, in the United States... You know, if you if you listen to enough news, every election is the most important election of our lifetimes. And then the people get elected. And, well, they're not actually all the most important election (laughs) of our lifetimes. And there's a sense that Americans can get very uh, apathetic about our own elections. Mm -hmm. And because of that, many people, many Americans who are registered to vote or have the right to vote, just don't vote because they don't care. They don't feel like it makes a difference. Mm. But what you're telling us is the Nigerian perspective is that the it, because of the influence that America has in Nigeria and, yes. and what they, how they interact with particular groups in Nigeria and yes. recognize legitimacy of government yes. really matters to the point that who the American president is means people might actually die. Definitely, because just like you said, it it's it's like a decision of we're going to die more or we're going to survive more, depending on who is American president. That's actually what is playing, and that's why you see a lot of prayers going on. You know, if you enter mm-hmm. churches, you see even some of the proactive Pentecostals doing declaration. You know. And many wanted Trump to to be there, all because of these elements I talked about. So is that is that Donald Trump that way, or is it that the the quote unquote Christians in Nigeria that they associate more with the Republicans, and the the Muslims identify more with the Democrats, or is it very much man by man? Does that make sense? Yes, very well. It's it's mostly man by man. Because we have Nigerians who are in America and they're, you know, Democrats and all of that. But it is more of men by men. And usually the Democratic Party somehow it's a little bit so liberal that allows, you know, the fundamental, you know, um, ideology (laughs) in Nigeria to thrive. I mean, for example, when... 
when when Trump came in and all of his immigration laws, you know, it affected Nigeria. But Nigerians were happy because somehow it seems he understood what is really happening and he's trying to protect the American people. That's what we perceive. I'm not in America. But with that policy, Nigerians are hopeful that that kind of, you know, restrain against... If he wants to constrain them from coming from into America, maybe he'll constrain what also Buhari be able would to do in exactly. Nigeria. So basically that's how Nigerians see it. And I mean, so what do you associate? I mean, I, Boko Haram and stuff, the attacks of Boko Haram. Yes. You know, while Donald Trump was president, mm -hmm. they seemed to become a lot less organized, let's put it that way, that it shifted from the organized armies of Boko Haram to the to the terrorism of, you know, to more guerrilla fighting of the Fulani in terms of the Muslim. In, in, in fact, let me even say it more clear. When Obama was there was when the Boko Haram was created. They started, they moved, they took territories. When Jonathan was in power, they frustrated him up and down. They were making news every day. When Trump came to power, they went almost quiet. All the territories, they lose them back to the government. Everything went, even though uh, Buhari came in, he didn't do so much as he promised to do, but they were mostly quiet. The election, American election is very, very important. Some people, let me tell you, in Nigeria wept and cried when Trump did not come. They were not interested if Trump is righteous or unrighteous. They are seeing him as a proactive person that understood the international you know, politics and also understood what is happening in different places. And you remember there was a time um, some Americans were kidnapped from the Niger border and brought to Nigeria that day or is it two days or a day it was they, very were long. <laughs> they rescued them so this kind of thing sends signals everywhere and nigerians know this is somebody that knows what he wants to do right and the ripple effect of him killing that group that kidnapped the americans exactly. i mean that has a ripple effect that affects the politics of all the very well. i mean not just nigeria but most of the african countries they're <laughs> Exactly. It changes the balance of power in a very distinct You're way. You're not going to get as many photo ops with the local governors. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if, if you allow Nigerians to come to, to vote during U.S. election, I think more than half of Nigerians will, will love to do that because they see it as um, survival or and, dying. I mean, we should. Yeah. yeah were put on by a church. So we should make the obvious point is that they're putting their hope in the U.S. government, exactly. which is a form of idolatry. That's not yes, where their hope, hope should be. Exactly. Which is the same reason why there were people in the United States crying when Hillary Clinton didn't win and exactly. crying when Donald Trump did win, crying when Donald Trump lost. That's I mean, because in American politics, there's a lot of idolatry of government as well. In American Christianity, there's a lot of Right. There's a lot of idolatry of government. But our decisions have less actual blood spilt based on them. We talk about an this major insurrection on January 6th, and one person was shot by a police officer. I mean, that's not the kind of death you're talking about. No. You're talking about, you know, like these kidnappings.
like we were and, there and what on that one weekend there was like 28 people kill, kidnapped or something and some of them died in one just in place a, in one one state yeah. and those things are really influenced so you're talking about actual people dying that's correct i mean from a perspective of there's a verse that we frequently quote is you know when the wicked are unruled the people mourn when that's the righteous correct. are unruled the people rejoice and there's this part of it where we see that in some ways within the United States, but whether, but when you hear him talking, a lot of the rejoicing and a lot of the mourning happens outside of our view, mm. and and even some of the some of the stronger the people who I mean whether you want to talk people talk about American the American Empire or whether it's just American hegemony, I mean there's I mean there's this part of it where we have a huge amount of influence in the world, and. I mean, so even looking at Donald Trump and saying, I have real issues with Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Donald Trump. There were real differences between what he was going to do and how he was going to do things that I wasn't even thinking about because they don't affect me. In the political pawns, right? Because they take some a place like Nigeria, which is very anti-sodomy, yeah. which is a good thing to be anti-sodomy yeah. and they're very anti-sodomy and to try to make that as a look at to appeal to his base look at how we're trying to push this and mm. i mean it was happening all over africa i know That's i went right. to malawi and malawi they basically the european countries and america said we give you two-thirds of your federal budget it's going to zero next year unless you change your constitution yes. i mean it's this is but they're not doing it because they care about the people. They're doing it because that, you know, that that's what their base wants to hear. How wonderful that is, Sorry. and so they're, you know, we should just recognize how how much destruction we can cause because God has put us in a position where where we've been given much, and who much is given, much is expected, and that's not just individual. That's not just Christian. That is. God holds people accountable to what they do. This is why destruction came upon Nebuchadnezzar because he goes, look at how great I am. Mm -hmm. Even though he was in many ways great, he brought peace to the world in a real sense. And yet in the end, God goes, this is evil. And you had this and yet you didn't use it in a righteous way. And this is what America's doing that's having a real impact on other nations. How about economics? I mean, I know that during the since we fund things over Nigeria, I, yes. <laughs> I know that there's roughly been about a 30% inflation in about a three-month period because... When you say we in this context, you mean we Reformation, Reformation Baptist, Baptist Church. Fund yeah. things. Yes, sorry. I should give you more context. But, yeah. but you know, so I'm very aware that there was about a 30% inflation roughly over in about a three-month period, maybe a six-month period oh. with the start of the pandemic. Yeah. In doing that, that's all because the governments of Europe, the governments of the U.S. said you need to shut down your economy even though you had very little COVID there mm -hmm. or that it was least detected. Yeah. So how much does the, the economic policies of, of the U.S. and European countries affect Nigeria? Yeah. Um I, I may not be able to have detailed statistics to to be able to indicate, but practically, you know. Um, yeah, I was just looking for anecdotally, yes. not like. <laughs> yes. You know. 2.3%? Yes. You, you know, what we used to buy, five naira, now is like 40 naira. 
You said 40? 40. Five naira, it has become 40 naira. And then everything is just terrible. One is not just the foreign policy and the international politics, but it has to do with the very dumb and terrible economic policy of the present government. They don't seem to know where we are going to. First, they came, made very terrible, you know, unrealistic promises, and then they shut down the borders and claiming that they are going to use that as to stimulate, you know, productivity from inside, which there was no assistance or no anything they put into that will stimulate that. And so throw people into a terrible situation. Even the fertilizer that would have helped the farmers, because without fertilizer, most of our, you know, the continuous farming of one place have made the land to be, you know, it, the price just skyrocketed. We were buying them at 6,000, 7,000 to 9,000, then it became 20,000 all of a sudden. And most of the rural subsistence farmers who live by what they plant per year cannot be able to even harvest half of what they used to harvest before because of the price of the fertilizer. Then you go into oil. They came, they insulted Jonathan for the policy of what they call um, subsidy. You know, usually <laughs> they take the crude oil, sell it, and then they buy the brand instead of having refineries. They made promises of revamping the refineries. And here they come for all the years. They have not built any refinery as they promised. And then the dead refineries that are not refining any oil, they are using billions to maintain what is not being used. The maintenance alone is enough to build somebody made an analysis and said over three refineries. What they are using to maintain dead refineries that is not being used. And then the, 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 the subsidy thing, I can't tell if they've removed it or it is still there, but the truth is that they have increased the fuel. Good luck, Jonathan just increased fuel from 97 to 100, was it 120 or thereabout? There was protest all over the country about that. So he has to revert it back to 97 Naira. But right and now... And just, I mean, for Americans, just yeah. to do some of the math for people since they aren't going to know the math. Yeah. But basically, there's about 492 Naira, so if we just said, per dollar, so if we yeah. just say 500 to make the math a lot easier, okay. and 100, you're saying 97 for a liter, 100 for a liter. Yes. So... So they are only paying roughly a dollar for a gallon of gas. Yeah. So it's very cheap for us, but considering Nigeria is an OPEC nation, yes, you, it is. You're, it is. the reason that Nigeria has money is because they sell crude oil. That is it. And they're a big crude oil producer. Yeah. And so the price of oil really, uh, you know, the price the of gasoline, I should say, like, really determines a lot of other things. They consider like $30, was it $30 a month? Roughly, is that I mean? So, right. so a dollar for a gallon of gas is one thirtieth of your income. So it's inexpensive, but it's not. Right. Exactly. I mean, so, so when 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 they increase the the pump price, it's it's now about one hundred and seventy-five there about right now. Now that will 
affect every every item in the market, including food crops, because we move them by vehicles from farm to the market and every other thing. So everything within country already became terrible because of the oil price, pump price. Um, the and pandemic, and some of that yeah. is when the the price of crude oil is plummeting and they can't give it away. I mean, literally, they ran out of places to store it and they have to store it someplace and they were just having tankers drive around in circles because that's the only place they could store it. And this is the case when, you know, the fuel price is going up. Exactly. So it was when, and, you know, so that's the aspect of the international market where, you know, you know, America is our major buyers of the crude, Nigerian right. crude oil. So during the pandemic, when they cannot even sell at all, there are times when there's even zero, there's no buying at all. That plummets and really affects so much the economy of the country, you know, in a way, because they have to sell the crude to be able to buy the, you know, the, the refined oil and all of that. So uh, partly is the, the, the economic policy that is poor and and I just want to make the point that, you know, we're a very wealthy country. We could afford to shut down for yeah. nine months. But when we shut down for nine months, mm -hmm. we stopped buying everything from countries that people yeah. are living day by day. They earn their food for that day. And so now That's all correct. of a sudden they can't. And, and it's really easy to go, oh, you should have lockdowns. America can survive which is true, people can work at home, they can do computer stuff, but all of a sudden all these secondary industries die and and it really affects countries and it really affects people and it makes people starve. And it's very easy for us to be very self-centered in our policies and not think, you know, again, the one who who is the leader of the world has a real responsibility to the followers. That's correct. In America, we we claim that we're exporting democracy to the world. We send a lot of people to do poll watching and to to so called make sure that elections are fair and honest. Mm -hmm. So how does that work in Nigeria? Do you ever see any Americans or any UN representatives watching the polls to make sure that they're fair and just? You know, all of that is just is just to appeal to themselves that they are watching, but they watch nothing. They take them to centers and city places, but they don't know what is happening in most of the rural areas. And wherever they are going to take them, they ensure that that place is doing what is assumed to be done rightly. In the north. There are no surprise inspections, is what you're saying. It's all planned and it's a show. Well planned. Put in place. Take them there. It's well planned. You know. And... If, if if they want to, you know, because you are just coming to observe, you don't know anywhere. Right. You don't even know where. You will say, okay, uh, take me here or there or whatever. But wherever they want to be taken, it will be put to work. Even when behind them is the real election. Most times in Nigeria, the real election is not in the polling unit, in the booths that people are queuing up. It is done in the Emir's Palace. It is done in the chief's house. Ballot papers will be there where they keep thumb, st st uh, I mean, thumb printing. 
and count it. While you are right there on the queue, they will be announcing the result of the election you are still doing. You are not concluded, but the results have gone. Where and how? So it is this massive thumbprinting that has been going on and is still going on. It was the agitation that made them to bring what they call card readers. They don't use them in specific places. They use card readers as a way to actually win elections where they know they will not win. They take card readers, which will be malfunctioning, to areas. They actually have cards that have biometric information on them, exactly. like their thumbprint, yeah. and then they have to put their thumbprint in to match their voting card before they can vote. So they use, they don't just have a voter ID, they're mm -hmm. to use actual fingerprints in order to be the validation that you're the person that your voting card says you are. Yeah. But, and so you think of that and you go, wow, that's a good secure system nobody can i mean you make sure that the voter is the person who it's supposed to be yeah. but all you have to do is make it not read the thumbprint and you can eliminate whatever voters you want That's and so correct. you can completely control the election by who you allow to vote and, and they don't necessarily That's even correct. do it at the individual level what they do is in an area where the demographic is this is 80 percent christian in this That's area correct. Well, we're going to set the thing so that a much higher percentage of people get turned away from the polls here. So you don't even have to send the data down and you don't have to fine tune it. You just, you gerrymander your, that's, that's your, your voting districts. Exactly. And you, that's exactly what is happening. And that was when, you know, the popular one was the president himself went to vote. And then the country that rejected the president. <laughs> but the vice president is a Muslim. He went smoothly. You know, and all the other ones that are in the north, it went smoothly. But the president himself, good luck, Jonathan. Cadrida rejected the thumbprint of the president. Good luck wasn't there from that day. <laughs> you know, if I said, if, if good luck were from the north, that very day, that very point, there and then, he will cancel the election. Because so much has gone in money to ensure that these things work. And if he, as a president, does not work. Doesn't he think that so many Nigerians will be disenfranchised in that exercise? You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I do, but but I also, I mean, we're talking about how bad President Buhari is in a lot of ways, but good luck, Jonathan. After he lost, lost, after he lost his office, mm -hmm. his Secretary of Energy gave back 1.5 billion U.S. dollars that she had stolen. Mm -hmm. Well, she had stolen 2.2, but she settled for just keeping 700 million for herself in a country where the average person, the median person, makes 300 dollars. And so, and you know, good luck, Jonathan stole more than his Secretary of Energy did. You, and so, <laughs> you know, I, I, well, we will be talking about corruption later, and then I will be able to talk about some of those. In Nigeria, presently, no government will claim they are not corrupt. Right. And that figure you are talking about might be a fragment of what this present government. Oh, I, I'm not. I did not mean to imply that yeah. Buhari wasn't stealing. Now, I just meant this were part of the propagandas they use against Jonathan because truly, there was corruption. Right. And many people were fed up with that. But then. Imagine the people taking that money from her, where none of that money came back to Nigerian government. It went through pockets of people. All of that money yes. returned. And no then doubt. you have her type, maybe four to five of them, 
in that kind of category and all of it none of it get back to nigerian post it went in, into pockets of people so, who are in power so you had a, a corrupt government or corrupt officials within the government very very well that the were pressured out of office at, on least for that one for one reason mm-hmm. they were corrupt yes only to be replaced by something more corrupt that's correct historically in any country the most corrupt part of the government is the anti-corruption department that's correct they always get the biggest bribes exactly and that's true in china that's true in i mean every place wherever you have an anti-corruption campaign all it means is they've set themselves up to get bigger bribes than the people they're replacing what is the fbi doing (laughs) <laughs> we, we have what we call EFCC, Economic and Financial Crimes Commission, which is like the big dog, watchdog over corruption. The president is the bigger boss of corruption there because there's this, uh, the boss of the EFCC for the four years, I mean, all more than almost four years, throughout his first tenure, the man was in acting. The Senate refused to to confirm him, and usually acting should be for a period of time. And if it's not, you are supposed to bring a different person. So they refuse on whatever ground, whether political or not. The truth is that everybody Senate, wanted their person in there. Probably yes, the <laughs> Senate refused to 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 confirm him, and then the president kept him there, and then they keep doing all they are doing. Then one day, he came up to say they are removing him on corrupt charges. The same boss you kept for many years, now you are accusing him of corrupt charges, and then you are trying to bring in somebody else. And then they removed him truly and bring because one way or the other, within the hierarchy of the government, they are using him for, for this recovery back to themselves. And possibly he may have faulted one way or the other in their game, and they want him boot out and bring somebody that will be loyal to them. So completely, the president is even in, you know, he has hand in all of it. Because how will you keep somebody that has not been, I mean, confirmed for all many years, and then one day you come up with something and then remove him and then bring in someone else again, and then the game continues. Right, and one of my points in raising it is, you know, America wants to think of ourselves as these honest brokers that aren't. But the reality is the U.S. government understands the level of corruption in places like this. They also could have huge influence on it. I mean, they have the ability. We're the gorilla in the room, and we have the ability to change it. Mm -hmm. But yet our government is not anti-corruption I mean, our government is for our own power let's talk about you know current president biden where he talks about going into the ukraine and saying there's a check for, we're, we're giving you a billion dollars if you don't fire this attorney general and and let's even step aside of regardless of why he's removing the attorney general he's saying you want a billion dollars you remove this attorney general and you remove him or you're not getting the money that's a i mean and this is him being very open about the type him of him bragging about it later. Right. And so I mean this I mean so we, we shouldn't I mean this isn't this isn't like behind we're closed teaching doors teaching them to bribe because we're bribing. Right. Mm. And yeah, how do you turn around and say we want fair democracy in Nigeria 
or Ukraine or China or all these other places when we're pretty busy our our elected our elected leaders are pretty busy taking bribes or pushing pushing bribes and saying you do this or you don't right. get the money. Mm. Righteousness exalts a nation is what the Bible says. And you know, part of the reason I thought it would be good to have a discussion on just how much we influence other countries is we should recognize we have a real duty and a real responsibility and God holds nations accountable. And as a nation, we promote corruption in all kinds of countries. And Nigeria is a good example of that. It's really easy by instinct to take pride in our ability to influence other nations. You sit there, you know what I mean? There's just this part of it where there's an instinctive, I'm glad we have the ability to throw our weight around in the world for our interests. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, I, I hope we get better <laughs> gas prices than anybody else. I and, and there's, and it's really easy to not really be concerned how we go about it. Because in the end, hey, you know, I what I want is I want the cheapest gas I can get. What I want, and so, and I'm not saying it's good that, I'm not even saying it's wrong that if you're in a certain position that you can negotiate a better deal. But like you said, righteousness exalts a nation and you actually have to care about how it's done and you can't just go, I don't care how we do it because you know at the end of the day we kill people power's kind of heady and when you absolute power really heady is the, i think the same yeah something like that <laughs> but uh when you look at the nigerian people and the median income is 300 dollars a year this is the poor and god talks a lot about how you treat the poor and as a nation you know, in one of the patterns that you know, we've been preaching through Exodus, and one of the patterns that you see is, hey, you mistreat the widows, guess what? I'll make mm -hmm. your wife a widow. You mistreat the orphans, guess what? I'll make your wife an orphan. You mistreat the poor, guess what? I'll make you poor. As a nation, we need to fear God or we'll be poor. It's easy for us to trust in our wealth instead of saying, God doesn't mess around. And we... We are really abusing the poor. Even at a national level, we're abusing the poor in countries all over the world. And we shouldn't expect in the next generation for America to have the wealth that it does. We shouldn't expect God to let us get away with it. We shouldn't be sitting around trusting our, trusting our wealth. We should trust in our chariots. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a whole series of right <laughs> of I agree yeah, we, things we trust in right we trust in our arms and so that's part of how we we do have influence money and arms right and instead of fearing God we we think that those will deliver us we think that those will get us what we want instead of instead of listening to what God actually says and I think the same way too with Nigerians if we can move the efforts we put in hypocritically praying in trusting the American election or who comes in power and move that efforts to obeying God, fearing God. A lot will change in Nigeria. And as you always come to Nigeria and you declare because most of the things that is happening is as you say them they happen you know just like you said the way the church is mistreating the, the widows the orphans and all of that if there's no change there will be more it has been happening more 
because more and more is happening right now than ever before. And I don't know if the news can carry it. It looks like the media house are even tired of, you know, stating what is happening. So more and more men are dying, more widows are increasing, and that's because also of the way the church has been mistreating the widows and the, and the horrific and stories that. that I've heard exactly. in Nigeria for from widows about how they've been treated by the church that claims to be the church of Jesus Christ. Exactly. They deserve more widows. And that's what is happening. And they try to they try to form this kind of unity thing. Even though now every Nigerian know that that unity cannot hold the can. Right. The can is even the worst corrupt. And um, is this the, a unity in the church or in the government? Yeah, you, no, no, no. It's I like mean, the Church Association of Nigeria, Christian Association of Nigeria, where all denominations comes under it and all of that. The Roman Catholics, the, the Pentecostals, right. Equa, Koken, exactly. And I'm trying to remember who else is Equa in there. Equa and Koken being like the two Anglican, fairly reformed Christian groups, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Baptist and all of that. Yep, Baptist, right. Yeah. So all the Christian body is supposed to be under it. And the purpose of the creation of that was to foster unity, to bring about, to actually, in the beginning, it has evangelism and all of that in its, you know, goal. But above that also is to be able to have a common front as Christians, to fight for the right of the Christians, to protect the interests of uh, uh, worship, because in some places, completely they are denying Christian worship even when there are Christians there and there are actually indigenous there and all of that but right now they don't even know why they are created they felt they are there to just make negotiation for money for themselves and all of that I so thought they were created so that the con director could get applause <laughs> that's what they're doing now looking <laughs> sorry for maybe that's what they're doing as opposed exactly, to what their purpose exactly. was for so doing it but completely that has lost ground and right now most of the denominations that have large followers and all of that, what is happening now is proving each and every one of them wrong. They claim to prophesy. They claim to heal. None of them had ever, by his way of prayer, stopped the Muslim militia from killing people in different places. Rather, they wrap up their church and move away from that area because it's difficult. So where's the place of those, those so-called powerful, prayerful, you know, uh, believers. And they are the ones that brought about all this materialism and the so-called deliverance and all of that that have watered down obedience, righteousness, and these Christian virtues that we know before. You know, all of that has watered down and then we still claim. So to this point, until the Nigerian church comes back to God and, and really fear God, repent and fear God, we'll always look up to America and then we'll not find help. And, you know, we've been talking about how the American government influences it. Yes. But, and the damage done by the American government, but it's a tiny fraction exactly. compared to the damage that's done by false gospels that have come, the exactly. prosperity gospel, exactly. the Pentecostal charismatic movement. Mm. I mean, there's all these movements that, that start in America and move to Nigeria that is a direct attack on Orthodox Christianity. That's it's a direct attack on, on the power of the gospel mm -hmm. to, 
to sanctify and to help and to to care for the poor, to care for the widow, to care for the orphan, these things that righteousness and the teaching of righteousness changes a society, and America has been undermining Nigeria over the last 50, 60, 70 years, very specifically with the false gospels that we've exported there. But, I mean, we had a long discussion about this in an earlier podcast about how, hey, what's really happening is Americans are buying a feeling for themselves Mm. we're buying a feeling like we're Mm. doing good when really we're doing much much Mm. much harm right and obviously you you exposed a lot of the voice of the martyr stuff Mm -hmm. that that we exposed Mm -hmm. and even there you have all these churches that are going oh we're helping the poor in nigeria and the reality is it's somebody like voice of the martyrs that comes in and says it doesn't really matter what gospel you believe just say C-H-R-I-S-T, and you're good. That's all you need to do. Just say the word. Anybody who names, the name. Just say the word. And so Khan and these organizations that, that reject actual doctrine, reject actually the teaching of the word, I mean, this is what VOM pushes, and it creates such destruction in a culture. It's not just them. There's a lot of other people pushing it. I don't mean to put them, but... But it just causes, you go to Nigeria, and it's just horrific, the damage that the so-called American church has caused. As we talk about this issue, we should remember that to whom much is given, much is expected. And the U.S. truly has been given much. And probably the best thing that we've been given is if you look historically, when all the other nations were rejecting the sovereignty of God, we as a nation held on to it through through the 19th century in so many ways, more than other nations did. And yet now we're the ones that sent out missionaries that did preach the true gospel, and now we're sending out and destroying nations by preaching, by preaching a false gospel. We should recognize that we need to repent of this, not just at a national level, but at a church level, or we should expect God's wrath to be upon us. And God's wrath is a frightening thing. Thanks for joining us. This has been The Conquering Truth, a project of Reformation Baptist Church. If you found this helpful, you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com and subscribe here or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for watching.